Hello, and welcome to another message from God's Way Through Christ Ministry, where we aspire to live life on purpose through the sharing of God's Word. Here is Pastor Nate with today's message. Welcome to today's message from God's Way Through Christ Ministry. Thank you for joining, and I'm so glad that you could join us for the sharing of God's Word. As we study uh, to learn and abide in, in our respective journeys, in our daily walk with Christ, the one thing that I know is that there is our way, and then there is God's way. Let's pray. Father, we, we thank you for this opportunity to once again to come together, to fellowship, to be one body united, to worship, to open our hearts and our minds, to embrace your word that leads us on our daily walks, that shields and protects us on our journeys of the challenges that we know that we will face, that encourages us and gives us hope and inspires us to live as you would have us to live. All of that is in your word. Your protection, your mercy, your grace is what helps us to carry out and execute that. Father, we thank you for this opportunity. We ask that you give blessings to this word and that you use me to be an instrument for your purpose and for your will. This we ask and pray in your son Jesus' name. Amen. I want to talk today um, a little bit about the subject of rich versus poor. Says who? And the scripture I'm going to use to speak to that comes from James 2 verses 1 through 5. And I'm going to be reading from the New International Reader's Version. It says in verse James 2, verse 1, My brothers and sisters, you are believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, so treat everyone the same. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and suppose a poor man in worn-out clothes also comes in. Would you show special attention to the one who is wearing fine clothes? Would you say, here's a good seat for you? Would you say to the poor person, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet? If you would, aren't you treating some people better than others? Aren't you like judges who have evil thoughts? Verse 5 says, my dear brothers and sisters, listen to me. Hasn't God chose? those who are poor in the world's eyes, to be rich in faith? Hasn't he chosen them to receive the kingdom? Hasn't he promised it to those who love him? So the topic title of today's message is what you see is what you get. In the technical world, which I used to work, it was the acronym was WYSIWYG. And it was used in a way to, when you created a, a GUI, GUI, graphical user interface, um, it would be, as we developed it, as we coded it, coded it that's, that's the way that it would appear on screen. 
but it wouldn't necessarily tell you what was behind the scenes. So I wanted to talk about how our worldview, how we view others impacts our lives, both present and eternal. That's, that's the point. So my first question and point is, who are you? In this scripture, where it talks about being believers, I, I like how the Amplified Bible states it. My brethren, pay no servile regard to people, show no prejudice, no partiality. Do not attempt to hold and practice the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, together with snobbery. So if we talk about belief in a believer, what is that? It's a conviction of truth in someone reliable. In this instance, we're having that conviction of truth in God, in Jesus. It involves trust, not just acknowledgement of the existence. So trust being that firm, convicted belief versus, you know, saying the words, going through the motions. To treat is to handle, deal with in speech and writing, to regard, provide, care for, or act upon. These, these words have meaning that speak to our, our behaviors. And here it talks about treat everyone the same. The same is both a noun and a verb. In the noun, it's resembling in every relevant respect conforming in every respect, being one without addition, change or discontinuance, identical, corresponding so closely as to be indistinguishable, equal in size, shape, value, and importance. And the verb, in the same manner. So if we believe that we are Christians, that we believe Christ died for our sins, if we believe God made all of us in his own image, right, if we are convicted with that, then we are admonished, we are responsible, required to treat, handle, deal with in speech, writing, regard, care for, act upon. We act upon our thoughts, our feelings. So we're to treat everyone the same, regardless of how they may look on the outside. In this passage, we're talking about rich and poor. Some of us will look at an individual and determine that they are poor in our own minds, in our own respects, based on our own beliefs, based on our own perspectives, based on how we feel and see things. Is that right, as a Christian? Is that what we're supposed to be doing? There's a reason why God wants us to treat everyone equally. So you have to ask yourself, if I'm a believer, how am I treating others? Is it the same? Or is it the way I think they should be? In other words, is it God's way or is it your way? So they, treating everyone the same. Who are they? The Amplified Bible says, are you not discriminating amongst, among your own and becoming critics and judges with wrong motives? 
So to answer who are they, in a roundabout way, when we talk about discriminate, it's to make distinction, a judicious act of discriminating categorically versus individually, prejudicially. Your own, your way versus God's way, as I just stated. Critics, love that word. A critic is to evaluate, judge, tends too readily to make trivial and harsh judgments. What is a judge and official authorized to decide? And it talks about wrong motives. Wrong motives are injurious, unfair, unjust. So who are they? Who are we to decide? We're not the judge. That's God's job. We're not to do things in our way, our viewpoint. We're not to discriminate. There's a difference between discrimination and discernment. Discriminate and discern. God gives us discernment. God directs our paths. If we abide in him, if we have a close relationship, not an awareness of, not just an acknowledgement, but a convicted, committed relationship. He provides to us what we need to know, especially in our human interactions. If God being the judge provides us with discernment, then we have no business being critics to evaluate with harsh judgments, being injurious, unfair, or unjust to our fellow man. That's really what that means. That's what we're doing, to, to look at another individual from whatever walk of life in which they come and to, to make our own assessment. Granted, if we're in a dark alley night, right, there's discernment that says you want to look to your right and your left. You want to ensure your safety. But when we walk in a store or we go to work, over anywhere outside of our homes and sometimes even inside our homes and to look at another individual and and to size them up and say well this is who i believe and think they are so that's who they are and then thoughts become actions and behaviors we can then begin to treat them that way these are god's people who are they god created man in his own image god created all man these are god's children that you're looking at and judging. So we need to be careful. In Matthew 7, 1 through 3, it talks about, do not judge others, then you will not be judged. Verse 2 is, you will be judged in the same way you judge others. You will be measured in the same way that you measure others. So, be careful because it's not improbable that you may be high and mighty today and things are going well, but you may find yourself in the very precarious position of the person that you're looking at and judging. And then you are feeling that condescending, that looking down upon, that hurt, that pain associated with another perceiving you to be someone whom you are not. Some of you may already be there. 
and and I like to look at it here again in Matthews seven and three. It says, "You look at the bit of sawdust in your friend's eye, but you pay no attention to the piece of wood that's in your own." In the King James version, it, it it's, it's a moat and a plank. I like to refer to them as chief moat inspectors. Right? They're looking at the small error, insufficiency, issue, anomaly in someone else's life, being, maybe a maybe a collar's out or shoes untied or or maybe the shirt they're wearing has a ring around the collar and you don't know if that's the only shirt they have. This, the, the small imperfection in someone else and missing this giant plank that's in their own eyes. And that plank generally represents something on the inside, something that they are lacking, some, 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 some area where they probably know, which is probably why they're looking. We have a tendency as human beings when we're feeling down, we like to look to others to, to try to make ourselves feel better, look down on others to try to make ourselves feel better about ourselves. That's, that's not God's way. That may be the worldly way. And, and that's short-lived, but that's not, that's not God way. I am not saying the rich are bad and the poor are good. That doesn't, that's not a universal across the, the board thing, nor am I saying that to be rich is bad. The Bible doesn't say that. If you want to talk to that specific verse, there's a whole other message. It is the love of money is the root, not money. Money is a tool, right? The rich can have just as strong a faith as the poor, having been rich in my life, I know what that's like. Having to start over from nothing, scratch, zero, having lost all things material on more than one occasion, through no fault of my own. I know what it feels like to be poor, to, to be looked at, to be looked down upon, to be judged. It didn't change my character. It didn't change who I was, and it certainly didn't change my faith, whether I had it or didn't have it, albeit it was stronger when I didn't, because that was the reliance upon God, the reliance upon him to meet my needs, where when we have possessions, we have a tendency to, to become self-reliant. But that, again, is not across the board. It's not everybody that does that. There are wealthy people with as strong a faith as those who have nothing. That's not the point. The point is what I'm saying is, it is have compassion. Don't judge. Don't practice favoritism or mistreat others because they might appear different than you or have less than you. They may not have had the opportunities that you have, but they're still trying to do what it is you're trying to do. You're still trying to achieve or accomplish in spite of, despite what they may not have had benefit of. It's not, that's, that's not people that we, we look down upon. There's plenty of times where there's individuals you run into in life who may not speak as well as we do, who may not dress as well as we do, who may not have gone to the same schools or lived in the same neighborhoods or drive the same type of cars. That does not determine their character, their value, who they are in terms of ma material possessions. That's God's child you're looking at. Whether it's on the freeway, 
whether it's in the cubicle next to you, whether it's out on the construction line, whether it's running cable, whether it's standing in line at the grocery store, if they're, if they're paying with some sort of assistance, you don't know how they got there. You don't know if they even want to be there. And it may be challenging enough for them to go and do what is necessary to take care of their family without you looking down your ecclesiastical nose as a chief moat inspector, judging them and, and sizing them up. That's, that's, that's not, that's not the, if we go back, you believers, if we're believers, if we believe in Christ, if we believe in God, if we have a faith, if we profess having a faith, there is a standard by which we must walk. I was, I was in, this, in the story just yesterday, going down the, 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 the aisle with my cart, and uh, this gentleman was going to you know, cut in front of me, and, and he looked gruff, like a construction worker, bearded up and, and all of that. And he, he stopped and went like this. And I, before he did, I, I was stopping, and after you, sir. And he went, and he was taken aback, and he said, you know, the world needs more of that. Absolutely. It was a small gesture. It, it was, I could have sized him up. I could have said, look at this, whatever. It, it, it doesn't matter. There was a soul and a spirit in a body. And I don't know who that guy was. But I know that he was a child of God and I need to treat him accordingly. So the last point is, are you looking up or down? <laughs> in the... Um, amplified Bible. Verse 5 says, Listen, my beloved brethren, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and in their position as believers and to inherit the kingdom which he has promised to those who love him? That's a heavyweight sentence. Those, those ands, as we're tying these things together, and, and, In James 2, 2 and 5, it says, I have chosen the poor to be rich in faith and heirs, heirs, heirs to my kingdom. Heirs to my kingdom. They're in my will. That they act according to my will. One of those is to accept Jesus in our, as our Lord and Savior. They're in my will. That's the exceedingly abundantly above more, uh, more than you, you, you could ask, right? If we're looking down upon heirs to the kingdom, where does that put us? Who are we? And that's, that's not a place I want to be. That's not a place I want to be even remotely comfortable in doing looking down in in today's world if we look at some of the most the wealthiest people on the planet generally those heirs are looked up to they're idolized we want to be friends with them we want to rub elbows with them we want to get to know them why because they have something that we like to have they have something that we would want to partake of, share with, that we would wish they would just look our way and, and just give us a little of something. You have an opportunity to do that every day with those 
who may appear poor but are strong in faith, because those are the heirs of, of the kingdom that eternally I want to be rubbing elbows with. I want to have my, my friends be those who are heirs. I want to be an heir myself, and I have that opportunity. It's, that's an equal, with God, it's an equal playing field. Yes, on earth you have to be born into a certain family. You can do the same thing with God, except it's indiscriminate. You don't have to marry into or, or, or somehow have a, a, a child or grandchild that is born into you. simply need to be born again, and you are automatically heirs to God's kingdom. There, there was a story in Luke 21, and, and one, verses 1 through 4, and they, they talked about the widow's offering. And the 20, verse 21 says, as, as Jesus looked up, he saw rich people, this is from the NIRV, he saw rich people putting their gifts into the temple offering boxes. Verse 2, he also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. And then Jesus said, what I'm about to tell you is true. That poor widow has put in more than all the others. All of those other people gave a lot because they are rich. But even though she is poor, she put in everything she had with nothing left to live on. So by faith, her act of giving amounted to more than the mass amounts that the rich people put in because it was her faith it was the demonstration they went home comfortably continued on it was it was not a sacrifice as great as hers I'm not putting what they gave down what i'm saying is that our wealth does not come so much from what we possess, but instead who possesses us. The, it is entirely possible that all of those individuals, all things being equal in their faith walk, the demonstration from her, this is everything I have, but I believe you're going to provide for me. I believe I have a conviction. I know whose I am and I will be taken care of. It's a strong, strong message in that. So I want you to choose wisely when you interact with other human beings, other people, God's people, God's creation. Whether they've given their life to Christ or not, you may be the very thing that leads them to it, not because you mistreated them, but because you treated them with love. In, in Galatians 5, 13 through 15, my brothers and sisters, we, you were chosen to be free, but don't use your freedom as an excuse to live in sin. Instead, serve one another in love. In verse 14, it says, the whole law can be found in a single command, love your neighbor as you love yourself. And 15, you must not keep on biting each other. You must not keep on eating each other up. Watch out. You might 
destroy each other. I'm pleading with you. If we shift our perspectives from may the best person win to if one of us fails, we all fail, we then begin to shift the the narrative. So there's this effort underway to uh, address global warming to make this planet inhabitable. Well, there there should be an equal effort underway to make this planet more inhabitable in love because we'll take each other out is what they're saying. We, we, We will cause the end of our brothers and sisters it would, to, to, as, I, as I spoke last week, we are better together, united, stronger than separated and, and torn apart. In Luke 14, 11, anyone who lifts himself up will be brought down. And anyone who is brought down will be lifted up. So as we tear people down, we're setting them up for an elevation. And putting ourselves in a position to be where they are. So I want to speak up to individuals because if I'm going to end up where they are, I want it to be elevated at a higher level. In the Amplified Bible, it talks about for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, ranked below others who are honored and rewarded. And he who humbles himself keeps a modest opinion of himself and behaves accordingly will be exalted, elevated, in rank. I think in the corporate world, that's almost the exact opposite. You've got to toot your own horn. You've got to, you got to be noticed. You've got to make it known that I'm all that in a bag of chips when sometimes you aren't even the crunch, right? In, 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 in God's way, it's the alternative. It's being humble. Meek is a strong word, not a weak word. It's being that compassionate leader that empathetic leader, that leader with principles and values. There you'll find yourself elevated in rank. If I had to reword the start, it would be love your brother as yourself. Love your brother and your sister. Love thy neighbor. Fill in the blank. But love everyone outside of you as yourself. In Matthew 22, 37. There was a discussion going on about the commandments, and and Jesus replied when asked, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Love him with all your mind. This is the first and most important commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Everything that is written in the law and the prophets is based on these two commandments. It is defined as the most important principle, the first commandment, and the second. If if you follow these two, all of the rest fall into place. If, if If you stick with just these two, you wouldn't kill yourself in terms of and, and wanting to live, thou shalt not kill. You, should, you wouldn't steal from yourself. You, you, you see, I can go down through the commandments, but if you're, if you're following Christ, if you're doing things God's way, and, and you're loving your neighbor, your brother, your sister as yourself, the rest of the commandments, everything else falls in place.
That is the way that God designed. That is the way that it is supposed to be. Uh, probably around now, you may be feeling like, wow, I'm, I'm a little outside of God's will in my behavior. I, I'm, I might have blown it. Will I get in? God forgives everything except blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. You're on the right path if you're thinking that. In Psalms 51 and 17, it says, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. In the NIRV, the greatest sacrifice you want is a broken spirit. God will gladly accept a heart that is broken because of sadness over sin. A contrite heart is, is broken down with sorrow for sin and humbly and thoroughly, thoroughly penitent. Broken, violently separated into parts, key words separated, contrite, feeling sorry or remorse for sin or a shortcoming. Despise, here it says God won't despise, will not despise, but the word despise, look down on with contempt, regard as worthless or tasteful. So by us judging other people, by their outward appearance, in a way is despising them, yet God won't despise us. Help me understand who you are if you're following God, if you're following Christ, if you're walking in the way. Sacrifices is not a ritual, but it is a type of atonement that brings back together. Remember, broken, violently separated? Sacrifices, atonement, bringing back together the personal relationship between us and God. It comes from a word at one meant, and it removes the separation. It, 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 the right attitude begins in the heart with a broken and crushed heart. It's symbolic of humility and penance, and it's synonymous with a, with a broken spirit. This is necessary. In Ezekiel eleven nineteen, this brokenness is necessary because it, because it is the hard or stony heart which does not submit to the will of God. Like many of you, I've experienced that horrific feeling, a feeling like your your heart has been ripped out of your chest and thrown on the ground and and stomped on and in in betrayal. I don't I don't stand alone there. And many of you, we, we did, it's not because of something we did. We're simply trying to do and be the right thing or person. Now, it, it, it's not to say that those that committed those acts, did those things, can't figure out some sort of a way to justify that. We're human. And then we'll accept that. Well, I had it coming. I deserve it. It doesn't change the pain. So imagine, if you will, how God feels, how Jesus feels. Perfect. He didn't do anything to cause that separation, that rejection, that betrayal. Yet we go on and we continue to act and do what it is that we do. So when we get to that place, where we feel that way 
when our hearts are broken over sin, when we recognize God's love for us and appreciate and value it to a degree where we, we see our shortcomings for what they are and we feel our heart is broken, our spirit is broken because we feel so badly that someone who loves us so much has done so much for us has has brought us to the place that we are if we really look back in in our lives and how many thing how many ways we were blessed and taken care of how many times he was there for us how many times he brought us through what we didn't think that we didn't see any way possible yet not only did we experience peace in the midst of the trial, he brought us through it again and again and again, regardless of how we acted. When we get to the place where our hearts are, are broken because we've fallen short, that is the place where God is closest to us. That is the place that he never rejects, denies embraces, values. He's not wanting us to feel brokenhearted, but to recognize when we are not walking in the way that he would have us to walk, to love on others as he would have, to be the example, to emulate the behavior of the Christian faith in kindness, fruits of the Spirit. There are so many examples in the Bible about what that walk is like. When we stop separating ourselves and walking independently and begin to walk with Christ in the way that God would have us to, that is where God wants us to be. That is how we love our brother as ourselves. That is how we love our neighbor as ourself. We do it God's way, through Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time of fellowship. We thank you for this opportunity to come together to partake of your word and all of the fruitfulness that is in it, that will come from it, that will help us through this life's journey. God, we, we ask that this word find its way to harden hearts, to soften them, so that they may find their way back to you. Father, we ask that this word bring those who may be distant from you, out of relationship with you, back into relationship. For that purpose, Father, of being able to sow seeds of love, to love thy neighbors, to become one to be unified, to stop with the fighting and, and the viciousness and all of the ugliness that is taking place, but Father, to ensue love and a purpose for being, to live as you would have us to, Father. And, and for those who may not know you, Father, I pray that they pray this sinner's prayer with me so that they may begin, restore, or even continue their relationship with you. And that is, Father, Father God, I know I am a sinner and I cannot save myself. 
I believe in my heart that your son Jesus died on the cross in my place and rose again so that I may be saved. And God, I ask that you come into my heart right now and I accept your precious gift of salvation, victory over sin, and eternal life with you. God, I pray these words in your Son, Jesus' name. Amen. I'm, I'm hoping, first, if you prayed that prayer, those who don't have, didn't have a relationship, I'm hoping that you, you did, and if you can do it any time. By praying that prayer, you have accepted Christ into your life. In doing so, I encourage you to, to read and study and immerse yourself in God's Word so that you will be well equipped to manage the challenges you will face here on earth. Thank you for joining, and I hope to see you next time. Until then, go and live your blessed life on purpose. Thank you for joining and worshiping with us today. I hope your soul was fed and thoughts stirred in the sharing of God's Word, and that today's message will inspire you to live a godly life. Whether viewing on our website or one of the social media platforms, we ask that you consider supporting our ministry with a donation of any size. To do so, please visit our website at www. Dot gwtcm.org. That's www.gwtcm.org. We appreciate you and your support. We look forward to sharing God's message with you again. Until then, be well, blessed, and live a life on purpose.